this is Tasha Rollins from the Autism in Action podcast, and today you're listening to the Moments of Grace podcast with Dr. A. Jerome Butler. This is your host, Dr. A. Jerome Butler, and welcome to A Moment of Grace. I'm so happy to have you here with us, guys, here on our African American History Month. You know, um, we celebrate this month um, because, um, to be honest with you, we, we, we know that there was some, some tragedy and slavery and all of this uh, that has gone on within the African-American community. Uh, and so we have this opportunity, I feel, to celebrate uh, our accomplishments. Um, you guys know from listening to this podcast, from being part of this podcast, I'm, I'm, I'm deaf definitely <laughs> against color and all of that you know this this the racial thing is is a new invention for humanity it absolutely is when we can hyphenate uh our brothers and sisters when we can hyphenate one another uh into and, and colors that don't match what we look like that's what's crazy about uh the color dynamic and, and racism um if i asked a three-year-old I'll just go back and, and just just uh, share with you. And my daughter was three years old and she was re um, learning her colors. And she would always say that someone was either chocolate or brown. Um, but in our social strata, uh, we use color as a way to identify and sometimes to degrade one another. Um, unfortunately, I try to look on the positive part of our history. Um, you know, we... I still feel we have one of the greatest countries in the world. Uh, I thank God for all that, that I've accomplished, my fa family has accomplished. Uh, like I said, we are a military family, so we celebrate our veterans and all. But at the same time, keeping in mind, dear hearts, that there are also, there are also those dark places within our culture, some dark places within our history. And we use history, I feel, we use history as um, a linchpin to show us where we are in our in our culture, where we're going. And there's an old saying that if you uh, don't remember where you came from, you're doomed to repeat your past. And so, um, you know, like I said, we, we, we thank God for the, the bad and the good. Uh, but on today, we're going to be talking with Mike Burgess, who is a teacher of 28 years and Mike has a, a uh, is doing a great job in, in the historical context in one of our cities in um, South Carolina. And he's working on a project uh, earmarked, and we're gonna earmark the same thing on the show, is Justice for Willie. And so Mike, welcome to Moments of Grace. Well, thank you and thank you for having me. It is so good to have you. Would you introduce yourself to the audience, please? Oh, goodness. When when you're 51 years old and you've taught for 28 years, that is a long introduction, but I'll keep it short. I'm a native of Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. Uh, grew up there and, and went to college at the University of South Carolina. Graduated undergrad in 93, grad in 95. And since graduation, I have been teaching in, in our public schools. Uh, I also am a basketball coach of some 27 years and retired uh, last year in, in October from coaching, but I'm still teaching. Currently, I'm at River Bluff High School in Lexington, South Carolina, 
Uh, the school opened in 2013, and I've been on board uh, since its opening. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. So, so Mike, how did you get into um, the historical pieces that you're working on now? Uh, generally, I end up stumbling into the working pieces that, 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 I, that I'm currently engaged with. Uh, the, the, the story we're telling today uh, about a young 16-year-old uh, African-American male, Willie Lee Park, was sheerly from a student question. Wow. And we were studying in, in AP U.S. history last year, Jim Crow South. And of course, that leads to a discussion of lynching. And a student asked me a question that I, I pride myself on being able to answer questions. Were there any Lexin lynchings in Lexington? And I, and I said, yeah, I'm sure there were. He says, okay, well, tell me about them. And I'm like, um, let me get back to you tomorrow. So right. Right. Uh, I reached out uh, on, on online to the Equal Justice Initiative uh, started by Brian Stevenson in mm -hmm. Montgomery, Alabama. Right. Uh, and they've done much to memorialize lynching victims in the United States. And I pulled up their list for Lexington County and started looking at the stories. And the very first one I came to was the lynching of Willie Lee Park on May mm -hmm. 5th, 1890. Uh, and, and, and when I started reading, I thought, okay, I'll just get some facts and move on four or five hours later. Okay. <laughs> uh, I realized I had stumbled upon a wow. story that I would equate to the lynching story in, in the novel to kill a mockingbird right. or parallels, uh, that of Emmett Till, which of course, yes. through ABC's excellent work in the last few weeks has been, his story is being retold to a whole new generation uh, about Emmett Till. Uh, it's a story that had got, received national attention Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. in 1890, which would have been through the newspaper. Gotcha. And I use a, a search tool, newspapers.com. And when I entered Willie Lee Park, 1890, South Carolina, several hundred hits came up. Wow. And the story uh, of this tragedy was published and followed for weeks after it took place in places as far west as San Francisco, as far north as Canada, in every major media outlet in the United States of America. Wow. Wow. So so this was the, for 1890. Um, you know, for to to go that far, of course, uh, for most of my audience that that and you guys are, you know, we didn't have Internet and all of that. So we had, uh, you, you know, the, the newspapers and all. But for a story uh, dealing with an African-American in uh, uh, Jim Crow South to make national news was a big deal. It had to be a big deal because, again, uh, you know, um, as I as I remember the number, and you may know the number better than I do, um, forty seven hundred uh, African Americans between um, seventeen, excuse me, uh, eighteen sixty five and uh, nineteen sixty five. Uh, the number I think is forty seven hundred, forty seven hundred nineteen. I believe that's the number. Uh, and a lot of those stories did not hit the paper. Uh, in fact, some communities made lynching. Um, a community event, um, you know, just like someone would go to to the movies. But what stuck out with uh, Willie's story to you, Mike? Uh, that, and I know that, well, first of all, I know that they were, there were young men lynched as part of that, 14, 15, 16-year-olds 
as, as part of that 4,700. But what stuck out to me about Willie is there was a full story. Okay. You know, in, in some of the other lynchings in Lexington County, there would be an article, so-and-so was lynched. He was alleged to have done this. Right. And that was it. Well, Willie was arrested in January uh, on a rape charge. Uh, he was tried in February. Uh, the jury took 20 minutes to convict, wow. even though he had an alibi, wow. a concrete alibi. Uh, and then in, eight, in March, his, his attorney, uh, a white gentleman who I call the 1890 Lexington version of Atticus Finch from Killamockingburg. Got you. Uh, petitioned the governor. Governor rejected the petition for, for reduced sentence. And then uh, it was due to be hung in, on April 11th. Uh, rape was a, a capital offense. And right before this is to take place, his lawyer, through the aid of a deputy U.S. Marshal, W.J. Miller, was able to produce affidavits that the girl that alleged that Willie Leapart had raped her had essentially written to her mom and told her other brother, older brother, uh, that he hadn't hurt her. He, he, he had tried to cover her mouth when she screamed. And that really, she didn't even know if Willie Lee Park was the guy. Okay. That, that Willie Lee Park was presented to her after the fact by some of the quote unquote leaders in the town as this is the guy who did what you said he did. And she accepted it. Hmm. And at that time, the governor, J.P. Richardson, uh, again, governor of South Carolina, Jim Crow South, uh, granted a Willie a reprieve. And, and a reprieve meaning that his trial, his execution was postponed to May. Hmm. And that the governor was the, the governor had handed it back over to the judge who was on the precipice of calling for a new trial. Okay. Word got around to the quote unquote white leaders of Lexington that Lee Park was going to be removed from the Lexington jail, taken to Richland County, which is adjacent, which is Columbia, uh, granted a new trial and most likely was going to be acquitted. Okay. And at that point, they, they formed a mob and, and took action. Gotcha. Well, well, Mike, let's do this. When we come back, I want to um, continue our discussion um, on justice for Willie. And um, you can share with us what happened, what happened next in the story. Also, um, so the young lady was raped so it was there's no doubt that she was raped. no 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 she was not raped well she was not raped okay she thank later, you later later that. admitted to her mother and her brother that basically nothing happened other than she screamed he covered her mouth whoever he was whoever, i'll right. share some of that when we come back right and that later some of the quote-unquote leaders produced willie lee part and said, this is your guy. And so she stuck with her story gotcha. that she was raped, even gotcha. though she was not. Gotcha. How old was she before we go? She was 18. Okay. And, yeah. and he was 16. And we'll talk more about that as well. Okay. Because there's inter some interesting things that appear in both the court record and the newspapers that, that further indicate there's no way that this happened. Gotcha. Gotcha. And um, Mike, thank you so much for, for sharing with us thus far. Um, we, we're talking with uh, Mike Burgess. He's a teacher of, of 28 years and working on this this project, uh, Justice for, for Willie. Um, dear hearts, and as you listen to this, I, I want us to, to understand, and I'm going to say this, Mike, because, you know, I, I think I, we have a, uh, um, an eclectic uh, audience all over the world. Um, 
I, I, we're having this conversation, and I want to say this, and I don't know your political slant, Mike. It doesn't really matter. Uh, when you know, right now, critical race theory and all this foolishness is really part of the discussion. Well, there's one thing, dear hearts, is um, you cannot stop history. History is what it is. Um, the thing is, is if you're going to hate America, you're going to hate America regardless. Uh, if you're going to love this country, as I do, as my family does, uh, even with stories like this and even with the stuff that I've been through, I'm still going to love this country. It's the people. It's not the country. And that's one thing I want to make sure we understand. It's not the country. It's the people who run the country and the people who come against each other that have hatred and racism. This is not a racist country. A country can't be racist. People can't. So same thing as what Mike is saying about what happened with Willie there in, in, in Lexington. Uh, and when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion, Justice for Willie. And we'll be right back after these messages. Wouldn't you like to start your day upbeat and motivated? Dr. Butler has written a wonderful book. It is called A Moments of Grace. It is a devotional for a busy life. You can get your copy at www.drajrbutler.com. Have you ever wanted to learn how to trade in the stock market, maybe for an exchange or even how to buy investment property? Check out this company that is teaching beginners how to become winners in the markets. It is TradeAcademyPro.com. Again, TradeAcademyPro.com. So we're back. We're back. We're talking with Mike Burgess and... Uh, our story is, is justice for Willie, a uh, 16-year-old young man who was accused of raping a 18-year-old uh, Caucasian young lady, and for that got the death penalty. Um, but when we <coughs> when we took our break, Mike was sharing with us that the there was a stay of execution uh, for until until May, and uh, and and once the uh, Caucasian leaders in Lexington, South Carolina heard uh, about this. Uh, there's something else that ensued. So, Mike, if you'll pick up for us there, we would appreciate it. Right. Um, and we just gave the overview before break. So the alleged incident took place that, that led to his trial, his conviction, and then this whole process on January 26th. And the, one of the, the the neatest finds uh, and most most impactful finds this summer, thanks to the state archives, were, were testimony from okay. from the girl. Uh, the girl's name is Rosa Cannon. She was 18 years old. She was living not with her parents. Her parents worked in the mill uh, somewhere you know west of Lexington, but they were not gotcha. living in Lexington. And her and her 14 brother Owen had been sent to live with a former Reconstruction Republican Congressman, Manuel Simeon Corley, hmm. who might be one of the most unusual, we could do a podcast on, on him alone. <laughs> right, right, I heard uh, the prior, name. Prior to the Civil War, you yeah. have, he, he was a, printed a temperance newspaper 
He was a vowed abolitionist in Lexington, South Carolina. Wow. Unionist and a vegan. Uh, and fact, and now that part I didn't know. And a vegan. And a vegan. Uh, <laughs> Very progressive. <laughs> Extremely you know, progressive for that time. Middle of the Civil War, a mob marches him off to the army. He promptly surrenders to the Union. And then after the war is, is part of the Reconstruction Republican governments. He, he right. was for universal African-American suffrage. So by 1890, you know, by this point, white Southern Democratic control has been reinstituted in South Carolina. Uh, and he, he's living on Main Street, Lexington. And this young girl and her brother are there. You know, we're, we're, we, early on, we weren't 100 percent wide, but now we have a theory. Uh, and they're taking care of the Corley's adopted daughter, Bessie, on the okay. night Sunday night of January 26th. The Corley's that night are at church. Uh, at St. Stephen's Lutheran Church, church congregation that I belong to. So it's her and her brother, you know, reading to Bessie. Bessie's asleep, and they're sitting in her room where they say a, a young African-American opened the window to the room mm. and wanted to know where Mr. Corley was. Okay. And they said, and Rosa testifies, she held the lantern up. She didn't recognize him, asked him who he was, and he said, Bailey from Columbia, where's Mr. Corley? Okay. And she said he isn't there. And then he said, well, I want some food. Uh, and, 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 and then at that point, she says, well, I'll go get you some. And it, it's an it's a, a unusual house, a two-compartment house with a breezeway in between the two. Right. And she testifies that once she got to the breezeway, he grabbed her uh, and says, well, I want some money. And mm. she says, well, I don't know where the money is. And then according to her, he tore her clothes and essentially had her his way with her. Right. Now, in the meantime, Owen... Runs 14. out of the house and runs down to 14, runs mm -hmm. down and goes look for help. And at that point, she screams and this, quote, Bailey from Columbia runs away and she thought she saw somebody else winning. Uh, Owen finds, you know, a couple adults coming back from church. They see Rosa, but there's no one else there. What's interesting is when we finally get to the trial in Feb on February 21st, is according to the prosecutor, all this I just described took place in less than five minutes. Okay. Uh, which, which, is, which is interesting. Oh, um, right. Uh, later that night or early the next day, they brought, they brought Willie Lee Park, 16 year, years old, up to her to say, is this the guy? And someone told her later as we find out in her affidavits, yeah, this is the guy. Told so, her so, to say that. So, so do we know how Willie got identified ah so this is where this is where i think one of the reasons why this story gets gets national attention okay um according to press accounts after the lynching so there's not there's there's local press coverage of the arrest and then of the trial like one article for each okay. once the lynching takes place from may 5th through the lynch mob leaders trial there's an uh, just a constant drumbeat because so much comes out. That is when the governor makes public the affidavits that were going to lead to it that he granted the reprieve off of, which would have led to a new trial, right. which most likely leads to acquittal. Right. Um, with that, but it would have to be in another county. And it also appears in in a number of articles that Willie Lee Part is, is biracial. 
to you to use the lane and i'm using the language of the time that yeah, in a I got couple you. articles no, is re referred to as mulatto mm -hmm. uh another one refers to him as a ginger cake negro right, right. he's light-skinned mm -hmm. mm. and you're like okay there are also articles that began to talk about a, a conspiracy that the girl had been quote unquote ruined before she arrived at the Corleys, betrayed before she arrived at the Corleys, and that Willie Lee Part was framed to take the blame off of who who, who in was. the white community had mm -hmm. ruined and betrayed her. Oh wow. Now ruined and betrayed for our audience mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In, in in this term, sorry, I have to cut the lights back on. That's right. Um in, in this term, uh mm -hmm. in this time period means she was pregnant. Right by someone she was not married to, mm -hmm, right. which is why we believe instead of living with her father in a mill village, you know, 10, 15 miles away, right, right. he is in Lexington mm -hmm. until the pregnancy goes one way or, or the other. Right. Uh, and at, at this point, she had really only um, been at the Corley's house for a few months. Okay. So she might have been show, showing. Uh, and that's where it was like, wait a minute, what have we stumbled onto here? Mm. Um, because you see it in one article, it's like, okay, you see it from multiple different sources and you realize there's something here. Okay. Uh, okay. Willie, the night of January 26th of the alleged incident at the time of the incident was over a mile away at New Bethel AME church. So, so he's uh -huh. in, in the church. He's with the congregation. Yeah, well, well he is seen out front okay. by witnesses that were willing to testify to that. However, at his February 21st trial, none of his witnesses testified. Are they African-American? Uh, they're African-American. So, so, of course, they're, they're, they're afraid. Absolutely. Right, at, right. But in the petition that his lawyer filed on March 29th, the testimony of Thomas Waring was included. And what Waring says is with, I was with Willie Lee Park except for 20 minutes that night in which Waring ran to his house and, and told his parents where he was and came back. And they were, and, and Willie was still there in front of the church. Uh, and using the prosecution's timeline mm -hmm. of five minutes, the, his defense attorney makes it a very solid time and distance case right. in the petition that, right. that it's Willie would from the time that, that Waring left, he would have had to walk over a mile uphill, go through, raise the window, all the dialogue that takes place. And mm -hmm. I gave you the shortened version of it. Right. Uh, commit the crime, somehow get away without anybody other than Rosa Canna seeing him mm -hmm. and be back before the 20 minute time frame is up. Wow. Uh, you know, I, I intend to at some point do the walk, but even, even it, it's impossible. So, I mean, so you try, no you, you actually tried to walk the distance yourself. I've tried to do the distance. I've tried to do the death distance and, and I pride myself on being a fairly decent power walker. Cause right, that is, right. I, that's where I am after years of playing basketball. And it, it wasn't even close. Right. Uh, wow. And that's stopping the clock when you have to cross streets and whatnot. Of course. It's, it's not even close. Right. Uh, yeah. I don't even think you can run it cause you would have to run a mile in seven and a half minutes stop for five minutes and run a mile, seven and a half minutes back. It's totally impossible. World-class athlete. I think it's, it's four minutes. It's <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's impossible. Of course, the missing piece to all this is who decided this, this was, the, this was going to be the fall guy. 
Right. And there's, there's a number of people that are listed as witnesses. And one of them is a gentleman by the name of F.C. Kaufman. F.C. Kaufman, who also goes to St. Stephen's Church, is the political operative for rising gubernatorial candidate in 1890, Benjamin Ryan Tillman. Okay. And if our audience has never heard of Ben Tillman, I would encourage you to Google him. Okay. And then Google his speech, their own hot-headedness, mm-hmm. where Tillman essentially uh, justifies lynching on the floor of the United States Senate wow. roughly a decade after the Lee Part lynching. That Tillman's wow. platform is, you know, is I'm the representative of the common farmer, poor farmer, and I believe in white supremacy. Hmm. And so Kaufman in May of 1890, when this campaign is going on, is his Lexington County political operative. He appears as a witness. Hmm. Uh, There's also Corley, because in the affidavits that were filed by Deputy Marshal W.J. Miller, a a white man, Hmm. um, there's another one in which her older brother, not Owen, but her older brother was told by her that she wouldn't even have pointed out Willie if Corley had not told her that okay. you need to stick with the story. Right. Which right. which I find unusual for someone who was for universal African-American suffrage. Exactly. And who, you know, abolitionist, and yet he's willing to, to send someone who is not guilty to, to the gallows. Right. Exactly. Uh, with that. So once the governor grants the reprieve, he tries to move Willie to the Richland County Jail in April. Okay. The town of Lexington leaders, including F.C. Coffin, who's a, a community leader, write this petition, send two representatives. Their honor has been, in, you know, insulted. <laughs> you know, that you right. send him, that he needs to be in Lexington and we'll protect him. Mm-hmm. And so the governor sends him back to Lexington. Oh, wow. On so, morning, so now did he actually get to Richland County? Yeah, he, he, he briefly was in Richland County and then they sent him back. Okay. Uh, so... So let, let, let I just want to stop for just a moment because we have to understand the, the I mean just putting myself in his position. Um, I may be able to escape death here somewhere, you know, right. in, in, away from Richmond County, and then they come back to get him. The the the, the, the sheer terror uh, oh, of that is is it just can't be imagined. You know, you know, and, and part of it, and I'm, the other part to my answer that I should have answered about why this has engaged me is I have four children of my own, and by accident of their birth, they were born as white kids in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. They very easily could have been born as African-American children oh, of in the Jim Crow era. Definitely. And so when I read his story, I think about my children. Of course. And not only that, when I, when I teach and coach, you know, people will sometimes ask me, well, how many white kids do you have? And I'll say none. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'll say, how many black kids do you have? And I said none. So, well, right. you don't have any students. I have kids. So I have kids. Right. And so his story, I see the faces of students I've taught. I see my own children. And I know as 16 and 15 and 16, how they would respond. Of course. I can only imagine. I can terror. only imagine. Uh, and so the morning of May 4th, uh, his lawyer, George T. Graham, the, the, the 1890 Atticus Finch. So let me ask you one more question before we go for, yeah. any further. Uh, how many days was he in Richmond County? Do we, he do was we only know? there briefly, like a day or two. Day or two. So, and then so they wow. sent him back. Wow. Uh, and then so he is in, and, and mm. he is roughly in the, the Lexington jail all but two days 
from January 26th when he's arrested until till they storm the jail to lynch him. Mm. Uh, the trigger for the lynching. Can, can we do a, this, Mike? I, yeah. I'd like to do this if we could. Um, so, so because we, we've we come to the end of this episode mm -hmm. and I really want our audience to come back um, on our second episode. Um, so if you just 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 hold your your thought about the the uh, storming and, and, and we're going to share that second piece uh, on our next episode. OK. OK. Sounds great. Wonderful. Wonderful. We're talking with Mike Burgess, guys. Um, this is again, this is people, like I said, that did this horrific act to Willie uh, Leapart. Uh, these are people. This is not the country. This is not the heart of the people. And as, as Mike said, um, he, he, he could see his own children in this story. Um, children that he's coached, children that he's taught. Um, unlike Mike, uh, I am African-American living in this nation. Um, unlike Mike, um, I have had my turn with racism. With, the, with this caveat, it didn't change me because I understand the hearts of people, not the collective of our nation, dear hearts. I understand the hearts of people. Yes, I've been in some situations that um, I, I really felt that it was going to be the end of life for me. I'm, I'm being very honest. Uh, incident down in Texas. Uh, we're just driving through a little town when I was in the military and they think we're drug runners. And of course, of course, you know, uh, you know, they, they, you know, profiled and everything else, drawing guns, ATF, the whole gamut. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, five or six cars. So these things happen. Don't think they do not. Do not think they do not. The thing is, bit by bit, if we can do our part, Mike has done his part by sharing this story, digging into a story that is uh, close to over 100 years old. Uh, he, he's doing his part. The thing is for us to do our part, to be better, to be kind to one another, to show love to one another, and, and to take off this cloak of colorism, of some systematic racism. Take the cloak off. Yes, we have eyes. We see each other because the society has set us up to see one another uh, as others, as a as an other person or a hyphenated human being. But the reality is it's left up to us what we do with that. And what I prefer to do with that is to love you. And so when we come back, our next episode, when we come back, we're going to find out about the lynch mob. And Mike is going to share a little bit more with us about justice for, for Willie. And so with that said, uh, continue to love God, love life. Keep the light on. We'll see you on our next episode.